This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Okay, Nichelle, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. It's it's kind of crazy how, um, you know, somebody told me to reach out to you, and then, you know, my co-editor, Lauren, who, by the way, shout out to Lauren, she is freaking amazing, and this podcast would not survive without her help. <laughs> um, so, and then she uh, has a friend that is friends with you, and so it's just totally meant to be that you're on the podcast, and so totally, you know, God orchestrated this to have you here. So I'm just, I'm super excited to hear your story. So why don't we start off with like a little bit about you, um, you know, just your family, what you do, like what is your, you know, all, all the fun things. Okay. Um, well, I have two kids. I have a seven-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. Um, my husband and I have been married now for about nine years I am going to school actually um, this starting this semester, starting tomorrow, just BYU online awesome. and studying family history. Wow. So definitely didn't think that I would <laughs> be choosing that, but I definitely feel it's right. So awesome. Here I am. Yeah, that is so cool. And do you live in Utah? I do. I live in Midville, Utah. I've lived in Utah my whole life. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah. yeah. So if you want to just kind of start from the beginning. Okay. Love to hear All right. That. Both of my parents were um, raised in the church. Um, they taught the gospel in our home. Um, but my dad struggled. He struggled with um, abusing drugs and alcohol, pornography. Um, he wasn't faithful to my mom. And at the age of three, um, they decided to get divorced. And about um, a year later, my dad decided to uh, end his life. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, I my mom didn't get remarried for a long time. It was just my mom raising my sister and I, um, an amazing woman, um, hardest working, most selfless person I've ever met. Um, she truly gave my sister and I everything. Um, and then she... Um, and yeah, she uh, definitely emphasized like a relationship with Heavenly Father. There were so many times throughout my life that I would walk into a room and now being a parent myself um, and doing this as well, um, just on her knees praying just throughout the day um, or, you know, as she'd be doing the dishes and pray, be praying. And I knew that she, um, that that's where my testimony of a Heavenly Father came from was from watching her and knowing that like reliance on him every single day. Um, yeah. So we, uh, she, we went to church, we did all the things, but it was very much like a, a checklist thing. I felt like I didn't find that connection um, to spirit or to um, the reasons behind going to church or the gospel itself. Um, it just was more of like a, a checklist process to me. Um, but she did. She emphasized um, scriptures. We would read scriptures every single day as a family. Um, and I think seeing those routines, um, now I recognize how important that is, whether or not our children are recognizing it at that time. Um, so my mom remarried when I was about, I think I was 10 years old um, when they got remarried. And I 
struggled as a youth, especially after my parents got married. Um, and I struggled with mental health, um, OCD, anxiety and depression at a very young age. I was very out of control with like my thoughts, um, very impulsive as a child, kind of all over with emotions. Um, but I also had this side that was a perfectionist. Um, I was very much, uh, in elementary school, even I'd ask my teacher, how much percentage do I have in class? And she would be, if it wasn't a hundred, I was always like, can I do extra credit? All these things. It was just very, um, this perfectionism kind of took over. And in ninth grade, I, um, smoked pot for the first time. And I was like, wow, I don't care. Like, this is amazing. I don't care about this needing to be perfect, this needing to, um, do all these things. And, um, it kind of just went downhill from there. I started, I grew up in a Highland, Utah, and, um, there is a serious problem there with abuse of pharmaceutical medications that I think leads to harder street drugs. Um, and I got into that, um, quite a bit. And at the age of 15, I ran away. Um, I was gone for about a week and my poor mom was searching for me and searching for me. And, uh, I would call her and I'd just say, you know, mom, I'm okay. And, um, she, one time she called me and I was at uh, a skate shop on, um, state street in Orem. She was about a block away and she had just finished praying to help find me. And for whatever reason, when I was on the phone with her at that moment, I said, well, I'm at this certain skate shop and she just, it was a block away. She flipped around, came and got me. Um, and took me to a, a residential treatment center where I spent about um, about nine months. Um, and in that process of um, learning tools and healthy way of coping, I was um, put on medication to help find that chemical balance that was necessary that I was very much lacking. Um, and all good things came from that. But when I got out, um, and, uh, started facing life again. Um, I just started making choices that, um, were hard, um, that were dark. They were, um, I started getting into more harder drugs. Um, I start was very dishonest, um, stealing, lying, those things just, came back into my life again, um, almost at a greater force. Um, but I started having friends overdosing and dying. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just decided I was, I was done with that. I, I really utilized then again, those tools that I had learned while I was in the program. Um, so I know that, I know that when I tell my mom this story, she's like, oh my goodness, we wasted so much money. <laughs> and, um, but it wasn't all for naught. I think every time that we, uh, um, go through something like that, we do take little pieces of that. I, I think it's funny because our similar, our stories are like almost identical, like with, yeah. with going to, I went to a, a treatment center for 15 months when I was 16 and I, I feel the same way about it. Like 
I, my therapist (laughs) from that program, he's still to this day, he is such a good friend. And I, like, I don't think that I would have made it through my teen years had I not gone there. Like, yeah, I totally screwed up when I got out, like almost right away. But I think it like prolonged my life. And it just like, it taught me that I could be sober. Like I could, I had it in me. And like, there was a piece of me that could be sober and find joy in sobriety. So, so yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting, right? Those people that see us in those deep, dark moments, how close they remain to us. Yep. So yeah, those people that go like, see us in those darkest moments, how close they will um, become to us. Like my house father, he ended up marrying my husband and I, um oh wow so yeah it was really cool that um he still loved me after all that I put him through yeah I feel the same I feel the same (laughs) so So, yeah going back to my youth um I definitely felt at that time um still every now and again you know I was I'd go to church I would pray praying was definitely something I often turn to, but mainly when I needed something, you know, or needed help. Mm -hmm. Um, That's when I turned to prayer. Um, But life straightened out quite a bit. I um, still drink a lot, though. um, And I smoked pot a lot. Um, And I was still, you know, just pretty wild for a while. And then I met my husband. Um, We met on MySpace. (laughs) So... (laughs) That dates us. Um, I knew of him through a friend. And, um, yeah, we started talking on MySpace and like AOL instant messenger. And, um, we, we moved in together pretty quickly after we first started dating. Um, I remember moving into my apartment and my mom came, my mom and my sister and stepdad came and, uh, had dinner with me and they said, why is Casey's stuff here? And I was like, oh, I'm just storing it for him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, like, didn't know how to tell them, hey, I moved in with my yeah. boyfriend. Yeah. Um, and so um, during that time, he actually, uh, he mellowed me out quite a bit. I it wasn't as, um, like, impulsive with things. Um, he taught me that to fight with someone or argue, you don't have to yell. Um, yeah. things like that, that, uh, I definitely had it in me. And, um, I actually, at that time, I, you know, I wasn't, um, didn't have anything to do with the gospel, um, wasn't going to church it. And, um, I started getting into yoga and, um, meditation, um, studying, um, Taoism and Buddhism. And I definitely felt that that brought like this grounding and a connection to divinity. Um, and it's still such a valued practice in my life now. Um, but, and, and it definitely like helped, um, it helped my life quite a bit with that. Um, and did then you, at that time, did you feel like, like, where were you at with the church? Were you kind of like, okay, like, I don't believe in the church or I believe in the church, but it's too hard. Or like, what was your thought surrounding the church at that time? Yeah. So I felt like 
my biggest thing was how can there be one religion for all the types of people? Um, that was my biggest question at that time. I think like, that's we're a, all just so yeah. different. Right? I think that's a question that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. And so that's where I was at with it. I didn't have um, animosity. I was angry. I didn't. Um, I actually, I remember a time being up at my husband or my boyfriend at the time, um, but my husband now, we were up at a friend's house and they had a friend over and he started just talking terrible about Mormons and saying awful things. And I was just like, wait a minute. My family is not like that. You yeah. cannot put us in a box. Like mm-hmm. there is no way. So like, I still had this um, like defense, like of standing up and being like, no, you yeah. don't even know what you're talking about. Right. Like, yeah. I may not be a part of it, but like back off. Yeah. Get your facts straight, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I was at, um, with that. But I remember my husband and I, then we had been living for together for quite some time. Um, and he asked me to marry him and I actually had been bothering him to be like, Hey, I want to get, have babies like, mm-hmm. but I want to be married. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, let's get married. Um, and then he asked me to marry him. And I remember he was in the shower and I was sitting on her bed and I uh, said a prayer. And I said, Heavenly Father, um, can I marry him? And I will never forget this voice inside my head said, yes, but it will be hard. And I thought for a long time, I was like, oh, man, that normally means that he's going to get like injured and like hurt or get some sort of a sickness. Who knows? You know, that's where my mind led. Um, But yeah, so I was like, all right, we're going to get married. And we got married. Um, we moved into my parents' house so we could save to buy a home. And at that time, I had my mom and I had sat down and I was like, mom, you can't like tell us to go to church. You can't like, she let, very much respected that. And she let us do our thing. She let me do laundry on Sunday if I wanted to. I went grocery shopping. Like she just let us do our thing. Um, which was so great um, that she respected that. I know that that had to have been hard to not be like, please don't do that. You know, this is my house. And I wish Mm -hmm. I had been more respectful um, and thought of that. But again, she was just so loving and kind and welcoming. Um, Oh, I probably should note too, my husband was not raised um, in the church. He's never been baptized. He's never, he's been a part of, like going to um, non-denominational Christian churches on like Easter or Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I remember actually, sorry, going back a little bit, he had told me um, one thing I'm afraid of is that you're going to go back to the church. And I was like, oh, honey, I haven't gone to church in years, like 10 years. Like mm-hmm. we're good. Mm-hmm. Like, and... So yeah, that's what makes this story all (laughs) more wild. But um, so we're at my parents' house. Um, We end up having our first child there. After my husband and I got married, I remember feeling like we were missing something. Um, And I felt like, okay, it's my, we should have a baby. Um, And so, yeah, we had my son. And I ultimately know without a doubt, I needed to have my son 
before I ever started tapping into the gospel. Um, before I ever started coming back to the church, before I started coming back to Jesus, I knew that I needed to have my son because he is ultimately what made me question whether or not I needed to find that truth. And so I feel like the, all these things just line up exactly how they're supposed to. So yeah, I love that. About a year when he's one years old, we uh, were about to move into our house and we bought it in July, but then we didn't move in until December. Um, we were doing renovations on it. And two weeks before we were scheduled to move out, missionaries came to my parents' doorstep. And I was like, mom, we talked about this. What the heck is this? And she's like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> and so they asked if they could meet with my husband and I, and my husband was like, oh yeah, we can meet. Sure. Why not? And they were like, we, I, um, challenge, like, you know, they ended up challenging us to read the book of Mormon. And I was like, do you want to do that? And he's like, sure. And so we read it and we read it twice together. And he was like, I don't know what that's talking about <laughs> like I'm not down you can keep doing it like wait whatever. you guys wait you guys both read the book of Mormon twice like two like no, two times no, through no. or twice no twice like together okay like for like five minutes. I thought you were saying like you read it through two times and I'm like dang that is really good <laughs> no we were not he was not that ambitious we got two times like about two five minutes out of it <laughs> 10 minutes total so um yeah we uh read and then like they came back the missionaries came back the next week and they brought this man from the ward with them and this man was like um, there is this talk that I just feel like you should listen to. And I was like, okay, like I would, why not? I don't know. It's just like, was a why not kind of a thing. And, um, it was a talk by president Nelson, but it wasn't, he wasn't prophet at that time. And it was joy and spiritual survival. And I remember listening to that talk and feeling what I recognize as the spirit now, but feeling that so strong that I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best high I have ever felt. <laughs> like I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I knew that those words that he spoke were true. I just knew it. There was no doubt in my mind that what this man was saying was um, a man who was connected to divinity, who knew so much more and was so wise. Um, and so I was like, okay. And then we moved and I was like, okay, this is great. <laughs> what was your husband mission? thinking? Like you, you're, you read that talk, you're, you're feeling all, you know, spiritually warm. And what, what did your husband think about it? I didn't share that with him. Okay. Like I did not share with him, um, what was going on. He knew I was still reading the book of Mormon. Um, because at that time I wanted to know if it was something I needed to teach my children. And so I just kept reading it and I just kept praying. And once I had felt that, you know, that high of the, from the spirit reading that talk, I was like, 
Okay, well, if the the Book of Mormon's true, I'm going to receive an impression. I got to receive like a big something like that. You know, I'm just going to keep reading it. Um, and so I just kept reading it. And then literally two days after we moved into our house, we had boxes lined up everywhere. It's the middle of winter. I'm pretty sure the sisters were, should not have been out at this time, especially in Midville, but they were, and they knocked on my door and I was like, Hey, like who sent you? And she's like, we just felt like we should come and say hi. And I was like, what in the world is happening? <laughs> like, so um, they asked if they could meet with me. And I was like, not that at that much time, but we scheduled time for later. Um, and I just loved them coming to my home. Like the feeling that they brought to my home, I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Like you can just come all the time. Um, and so they, they kept coming. Um, and I, um, kept praying, wanting to know, um, actually, wait a minute. I got this. Sorry. This is my mind. is all okay. I got to go back. I, before the missionaries came and I kept praying, you know, to know if the book of Mormon were true. And it was several months. Like it took a long time until I will never forget there's these little moments that I'm like I can't deny what I felt and what I knew at that moment um and I was driving on State Street coming home and I drove under this um underpass and I had let me say like I had been listening to pot uh, not podcast uh conference talks on repeat because I was like I was chasing a high um I wanted to feel that spirit I wanted to feel it I was like oh man I was listening like all the time, conference talks, constantly. <laughs> um, and I remember just praying so hard and being like, Heavenly Father, like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I got to know, like, I've got to know if what, if this Book of Mormon is true and if it's what I need to teach my, my son and going under this uh, underpass, I was like, I just knew, I just knew. And uh, I pull into my driveway and I was called my sister because I knew that if I didn't tell someone that I was going to deny what I had felt, I knew I would talk myself out of it because I knew that what this meant was going to blow my world up. And I was terrified. Um, I was terrified with what... Uh, People were going to think of me. Are they going to think I'm like being judgmental of them? Um, is, what am, how am I going to tell my husband who has was afraid to marry me because he thought I would go back to the church? Uh, but I knew that I couldn't deny what I knew at that time. Um, and so I did keep it to myself for about a week. And then I remember laying in bed with him and I just said, honey, I got to tell you something. I said, I know that the book of Mormon is true. And it's what I need to teach in there is of Jesus and it's of love and it's of truth. And I've got to be able to share that with our kids. And he was like, okay. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> um, and so 
yeah, I just kind of, after that, still was meeting with the missionaries. And uh, it had been a few months. Um, there were times that, like, it wouldn't work out and we couldn't meet every week. But we met pretty consistently. And they were like, do you want to go to church? And I was like, um... I don't know, because I was still making try. I was still drinking wine. I was still smoking pot. I was, you know, not living life in a way that I felt, I guess, maybe I could go to church. But obviously, we can. anyone can go to church, right? Mm-hmm. Church is for anyone. The gospel, Jesus is for every single person in this whole entire world. And um, I just was like, um... I don't know. And I ended up going. Um, and I remember being so terrified, um, of judgment. Um, and I walked in and there was this man in jeans and he smelled like cigarette smoke. And I was like, I can be here. I never saw that man again, but I know that he was there on that day to make me feel like I could be there. Um, and I'm so grateful for that man who was there. And so, um, yeah, I went to church and then I kept meeting with the missionaries and they were like, you know, what if you, um, like, have you ever thought about going to the temple? And I was like, whoa, we are like, we are going over some things. And like, I just was very open with them. I was like, I'm not living life in a way that would allow that. And they were like, I just think that, um, you should pray about it. And so, um, I kept praying and I kept wanting to, uh, know if that was something then that I should do. Um, and it took quite a while and I ended up getting a, uh, limited use recommend to go in and do baptisms for the dead um was it hard for you to quit drinking and quit smoking and what what how like because now it's been like how many years that this is kind of like your regular routine and how was that to give that up to be able to like go through go to the temple absolutely so hard Absolutely. Um, it was very much a part of my life. If my kids went to bed, I would go out and smoke. Um, and it was just a normal thing to me. Um, and I ended up, I failed a lot. I failed so much. Um, but I started opening up the Book of Mormon and reading instead of going outside. Um, And like I said, I would do that and I'd have a great day and then I wouldn't have a great day and I'd make the other choice. Um, But I prayed so hard for that desire to want to change. And I know without a doubt, I could not have done that without our Savior, Jesus Christ. There was another force, another power that made it possible for me to change because I myself could not have done that. I I have to say, I relate to this so much. Just everything you're saying, because I I went through the same thing. Like I, I was um, fresh out of rehab 
and I was working towards my limited use Temple Recommend and I was like, I don't know, like, I don't know if this is it for me. Like, is the church true? I don't know, like, if this is going to make me happy, like, is this true happiness? Um, and I mean, I, it wasn't that I was like doubting if the church was that, well, I wasn't thinking about is the church true or not. I was just like, is this going to make me happy or not? And giving up cigarettes and <laughs> coffee, <laughs> coffee, giving that up mm -hmm. was so hard. And I think smoking cigarettes, like quitting that was really, really, really hard. And um, then like quitting the Nicorette gum and oh, what yeah. you just said, like the power, it's like, it's that enabling power through the Savior's atonement. Like 100%. It enables you to do the things that you couldn't do otherwise. And it's, it's like, unless you're like, I don't know, like you can't really describe it. Like my date every single day, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, like I'm just trying to like survive coming off of drugs, but like I'm able <laughs> to quit these things that have kept me in handcuffs for years. And it's like, it's just so miraculous. And so I, that's like what kind of prompted me to ask you this question because it's so amazing what you can accomplish and what you can quit or, you know, start doing with the Savior's help. So anyway, absolutely. sidebar yeah. there. But. With, no, no, absolutely. I love that. It's true. Change comes, change is possible with the Savior. Like change that you don't think at all is possible. It seems so paralyzing, um, or impossible. It is possible. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, smoke, stop smoking pot was one of the hardest things. Drinking was very easy. Um, but yeah, it was very hard, but I started turning to the scriptures for that high, I guess, <laughs> you know? Um, but I didn't receive that same, you know, that same like spiritual high over and over again. Um, but there's these exclamation points in my life that I'm like, I can't deny. And so, um, yeah, I ended up receiving that limited use recommend. And I have to say meeting with my bishop, I'm so sorry. I'm an emotional, <laughs> it's okay. but it was not meeting with a man. I was meeting with someone in place of the savior, 100%. Um, the things that I told him that I, over years and years, I'm like this poor man, like, <laughs> but I didn't leave his office feeling judged or shamed or unloved. I felt so loved, so embraced, so accepted with all of my imperfections and everything. Um, it just, it was amazing. Um, it was incredible. And so going to the temple and doing baptisms, I was like, oh my goodness, I love this. I'm 30 years old with all these 12 to 17 year olds doing baptisms. Um, and, but I loved it. I loved going and I made it so a priority to be there every single week. Um, and I felt I was worried again. Um, I have a big tattoo on my arm and being like, oh, my goodness, like, how do I go into the temple with this? Um, but I have never felt so accepted and embraced in a place ever. Um, 
And so I, I love that. Um, and I was just still, I was on this like high of like, wow, like this is great. I go to church. I take my son to church and I, um, uh, go to the temple. This is awesome. And then they were like the missionaries again. They're like, okay, what have you thought about like receiving your endowment? And I was like, I don't know what that means. Like, <laughs> um, and what does that entail? And like all these things, I just had a lot of questions. Um, and so they talked to me more about it and I was like, yeah, I would love to. Um, and so two senior missionaries, um, they ended up teaching me the, uh, uh, the, the temple discussions, is that what, or the not discussions, but the temple classes, prep classes. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we ended up doing that and, uh, the Bishop met with my husband and he like showed a church video of like, Hey, this is like the garment, um, that your wife will be wearing after she receives her endowment and like talk to him a little bit about like what the purpose of this is. Um, and so in case he seemed to be like, okay, like, all right. Like he, he's very mellow, very laid back. Um, and so I'm like, great. This, I mean, this is so all going so smoothly. (laughs) Um, and then, a couple days, I don't remember, it's just a few days before I was uh, scheduled to go through the Salt Lake Temple. Uh, I still remember we were backing in the driveway and my husband goes, I do not want you to um, go to the temple. There has been a darkness in our home and um, life has gotten really hard since you started Um, going to the church and you started um, doing these things and I don't want you to do it anymore. And I just remember saying, okay. And just praying so hard saying, heavenly father, what am I supposed to do now? It's like this crossroads. Do I choose my husband? Do I choose the gospel? And uh, I was terrified and I was up all night just praying for just some sort of light to happen, something to make this better. Um, and I just had to accept, okay, well, he just doesn't want me to, to do this anymore. I'm not going to break my family up for this. I, I, and I straight up, and I told my husband, I said, I cannot deny what I know, but this next step won't be necessary if that means it sh- I choose that or my family. Um the next afternoon, he came to me and he just said, um, I'm sorry about that. I am fine if you go through the temple. Um, and I was just like, wow, that's a miracle. Like, okay, thankfully, we didn't have a lot of time to sit on that for the for it to change again. Um, but I ended up going and uh, through the temple and my husband was there. He brought my son. He supported me. Uh, he just waited outside the temple through it. And uh, it was the most powerful and uh, real thing that I had experienced in my whole entire life. Um, unlike anything in this world. And I think that's what made me realize it was from divinity. It was from God. It was um, real. 
And so, uh, yeah, that's um, where the, I guess my testimony just kind of grew from there. And then when, how long ago was this that you went through the temple? Um, I went through the temple. Let's see. I think it's been about four years, four years now. So where, how does your husband feel about it today? Like, how has it, I mean, over the last four years, how has that been? Like, has it affected your relationship? Where is he at with the church now? Like, what does that look like today? So, um, you know, when I got home from the temple and I remember him seeing me in the garment for the first time, and this is no disrespect to the garment. This is just, my husband goes, wow, it just kind of looks like a little jogging suit. Like that's just, and I was like, thank you. Like he was so sweet about it. Like he wasn't like, what is that? I was just like, I look sporty. (laughs) So I just felt, um, like that was such a positive response from him. For that, uh, I will say there have been challenges, though. Um, My son was not blessed. And about, I think he was four years old. And I just had this feeling um, that he needed to be blessed. He needed to receive um, a name and a blessing. And so going to my husband and saying, like, hey, can can we have our son blessed? Um, And he was like, does what does that mean? And so trying to explain to him um, that to him and then also um, being sensitive to the fact that that's asking him to be okay with another man providing him with our son with something that he necessarily can't provide our son with. Um, But he was so gracious about it and um, my son Oak was able to um, receive a name and a blessing at the age of four, which I didn't even know was possible. So um, that was very cool. My daughter, she received her name and a blessing about the age of one. There's timing of things that I feel like are very important to be like, okay, now is the time for us to um, discuss this or to bring this up. And I have to be respectful of his viewpoints and decisions my son will be eight years old next year um we haven't even talked about baptism yet but that's something I feel like is important for my son to choose for himself um whenever that is of course I would love for my son to um be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost uh that that gift is so precious um but I know that God knows him and that that will all just align as it should. I just have to trust that God really is in control of all of this. And it just has to allow it to be. Um, callings have been a bit of a challenge. I was called into our young women's presidency, called to serve a few. I guess it was shortly after I had gone through the temple and um that was hard activities, you know, weekly were hard. He didn't understand like, why do you, you give a lot of time for this. Like, this is just a lot. Um, and so I ended up not serving and not calling, um, for too long. And right now I'm serving as the state camp coordinator 
And I, now that I'm thinking about it, because I've served as the state camp coordinator now for four years, so I must have received my endowment maybe five years ago. Sorry, sidetrack. But anyways. That's, um, and that's like not an easy call. Like if somebody gave me that calling, I would be like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is a lot, but I love camping. And it, I almost felt like I could experience a missed girls camp that I never had experienced I had only been to girls camp twice mm-hmm. and so being like wow like what an experience that I can go and I've had great support from people um and he told me this year he's like you're still gonna do it and I was like until they tell me like I'm done like I, I do and we have state camp every um year so our wards are just so small um so yeah there's been things like that that uh it it's challenging um I would say not being able to uh share spiritual things um that may be relatable to him in a way or that he may find like understanding in that's challenging um but I have found amazing friends who I can share those experiences with, and I rely heavily on them. Um, I remember coming back and being like, I don't relate to these women. I had put a stigma or a um, judgment or what would it be, a label on women in um, the church that I was like, I can't relate to these women. Like, I am so far out. Like, I, <laughs> um, but I have met. My best, one of my best friends, um, Shiloh, she lives two doors down and the missionaries had introduced me to her. She had come to one of a few of the discussions and she has become one of my greatest friends and greatest blessings. And I, I love that I can go to her and share those and people, um, other women that I can go to that I found friendship in that maybe I wouldn't have been friends with otherwise, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's so awesome. Um, so how open are you to like some hard questions? I can, I can try. <laughs> okay. Okay. So for in our church with families being such a big thing, how has that been? Like, how do you find peace with that? Like, how do you find peace with, you know, being you know, like with your husband being a different faith and family being such a thing in our church, like how have you, have you had any like things that have brought clarity or is there any advice you would give to somebody that's in the same situation as you, maybe newer to the situation? What, what advice would you give or what are your thoughts on that? So I don't know if I necessarily have advice, but I do know without a doubt our Heavenly Father knows us, and He wants us to be happy. I know that Heavenly Father doesn't want me to spend the rest of my life without my children or my husband. Um, and I don't know what that means, but I believe heavily on the life after this, that we all have a chance to um, accept the gospel and to um, draw close to our Savior. So... That's definitely what I rely on. Um, I've never done a temple uh, ceiling. And 
I was invited actually to to go to my uh, cousin's daughter's temple ceiling and I'm like I'm just not going um it's something that I I don't know what blessings I'm missing from that and that there's a part of me that doesn't want to know um because I'm okay with just knowing where my life is right now uh just knowing that um I'm just doing my part and that's all I can do Mm -hmm. Um, I know that the love between my husband and I is unconditional and it's real and whatever that means for us in this life or the next, um, we will see. I just, uh, there's definitely questions, but mm -hmm. it's just trusting that we have a heavenly father that, that loves, loves us and wants us to be happy. And he's going to figure out a way to make that happen one way or another. I and that. I have no idea what that means. You are so amazing. <laughs> just, you are so <laughs> you are amazing. Sweet. I'm sorry, I'm crying. <laughs> I just, I am, I have so much respect for you. And just like your testimony and your love for our Heavenly Father is so evident. And it's so beautiful. So thank you for that. Um so a couple questions from people following my podcast, my Instagram page that they asked, how do you deal with hard questions in the church? Like, I feel like accepting that I don't know is just so important. Accepting, I have no idea. But again, I know that we have, there's a heavenly father and mother who loves us. And just as much as I love and want the best for my children, they want the best for us in a way that I think is unfathomable. It is an unchanging, all-encompassing, perfect love. And that's trusting that. Um, I don't know answers to things. I wonder about things, but I don't entertain them in a way that I then start guessing second guessing all of my foundation, those simple gospel beliefs and core beliefs that I have, those are what I stick to. Those are what I'm like, you know what? I can't deny this. I know for a fact this is real and that this is true. Those other things, I don't know. My son asked me the other day, when did the dinosaurs come? I don't know, but I know that they were here at some point and that God gave them to us for a purpose. Like... You know, there's so many questions that I think people have. And I think it is important, those that are, they have that, um, that, that curiosity and they want to know answers. I think it is great to seek out um, answers or comfort with resources that are actually beneficial and full of truth. And accepting too, we don't know all the answers. This is a church that is of restoration and it's still being restored. There are still so much that we don't know. There's still so much we just don't know. And I think too, there's so much in other um, religions that are truth that maybe the church doesn't have, you know, Buddhism and Taoism, they have this stillness and this, like, this um, mindfulness that we don't have mm -hmm. in the church. Yeah. And so I just think that 
focusing on those basics are so it's so important Mm -hmm. um putting our focus there and allowing questions to be unanswered has to be okay Mm -hmm. yeah okay so we're running out of time but I want to ask you a couple um question a couple other questions so okay what advice do you have for people who are unsure the church is true I think pray, pray about it. Um, I know without a doubt, God hears our prayers. Um, I don't think you have to be living life a certain way to find that answer. I think it's the desire in our hearts if we want to know. And I have to say that that answer is not going to come immediately. It may not come with this super powerful experience, um, but it will come because God wants us to know. Um, And I think that desire in our heart is what brings, brings that answer. I love that. Um, okay. And this is a really good question for you. Um, how can a parent help a child who is away without making them feel judged and like comma, uh, Mm -hmm. what, what do you think? Um, I mean, you talked about this a little bit, but there's a lot of people who reach out to me and they're like, Hey, will you ask your podcast guests? Like, as a parent that has a kid that's straying away from the church or, you know, they're, they hate the church or whatever, like how can we best support them? Or, you know, obviously we love the gospel so much and we want our loved ones to be a part of it because it means so much to us and it brings us so much joy and, and you want to share that with other people. And so, um, you know, how do we do that in a way that's not going to push them away more? Um, yeah. Um, that's a good question. Cause I can think of that in a way too, like with my own husband, right? Yeah. Like, um, I think finding commonality, finding what we connect in and focusing on that rather than focusing on the disconnects. Um, and I think as we find that deep in that connection with our child or with a spouse or a friend or anyone, a neighbor, anyone, as we deepen that connection with things that are um, common with one another, that those differences don't seem to be as important. Um, And just showing that love no matter what. Um, You know, my husband, he drinks and, you know, we have beer in our fridge and um, finding patience of just knowing, you know what, that's his life. He is a great father. He is an amazing husband and he drinks beer. We're okay. You know, he allows, he prays at the dinner table with us. He allows me to take our children to church every Sunday. He allows me to teach our children about the savior and about our heavenly father and why we are here on this earth. Like that's all I need. And I think with our children, loving them, finding just, building that relationship again that connection with with our children letting them know that they're important and loved and cared about that's all we can do they have their agency they just need to be loved and that's it and they'll figure it out they'll figure it out whether it's in this life or the next like i 100 rely on that hope of the life after this that we are all given the opportunity to know of truth and I think that's so important that we have that. Yeah, I love that. I asked my dad this question on my first episode and I said, you know, 
when I was, you know, 18, whatever, I was totally a heroin addict. My parents were dealing with me. My sister got pregnant when she was 16. You know, like we were not the cookie cutter family. <laughs> like we were not, we were not the, the picture perfect, you know, church going family. And I asked my dad, like, you know, how did he feel members responded to him? Because I think that can be something that will um, make people not want to go to church if they feel like I don't fit in like my I don't have this picture perfect family and I don't really fit in. So like people are going to judge me. They're going to think I'm not as good or whatever. Um, you know, you obviously like you're you're not the traditional like husband, wife going to church family. Like, do you have any like what's been your experience with that? Like, do you feel like people are you know, judging you or do you feel like they've been welcoming or what, what has been your experience with that? You know, I haven't felt judged. Like I said, when I went into a church for the first time in several years, I just prayed. And then I just kept repeating, like almost like a mantra to myself. Like I am going here for God. I am yes. only going here for God. This is between me and God. I am not here for anyone else, but myself. You know, that is it. And so I think that's what kind of kept me in that space of like, if someone else is going to think like, what is this lady doing here with, you know, a tattoo on her arm or her husband's not a member or whatever. Like, um, I'm sure people have those questions, but that's not been a focus or something that I have noticed. I have been very embraced by this super like down to earth, loving word family that knows where I am in life and the status of my family. And they love me for me and love my family for me. And I've felt nothing but embrace and from them, which I couldn't ask for any better response. I feel like the majority of judgment is what we make up in our heads. We tell yes. ourselves these things and we're like, oh my gosh, people are going to think all these things about me. Mm -hmm. And it's just not the case. Yeah. Yeah. I am so happy that you said that because it was the same experience for me going back. Like, you know, I'm fresh out of rehab. I am, you know, just my picture was on the, the county website for going to jail. Like <laughs> people know what's going on. And yeah. but what you said, I'm going for God and my relationship with God and people aren't, they don't really care anyways. And if they do like, yeah. who cares what they think? Because I'm here for God and it's almost really freeing. Like, mm -hmm. like, you know, when you're at that point where it's like, you know, I really like, don't care what you think. Like I am here yeah. for my relationship with God. It's, it's a pretty incredible thing to be in that space. So I love that. Sure. I just, I think that your, your story is incredible and it's 1000% podcast worthy. <laughs> and I just, I'm so happy to meet you. And I think that, um, you're amazing. So thank you so much for taking this time to be on my podcast and share your story well, thank you for listening through to me through all my blubbery <laughs> mess and tangents and all the things. No, um, you're awesome. I think what you're doing truly is amazing. I think it's so important for us to hear those reasons um, why people come back 
-hmm. no matter what that comeback looks like um, or distance looks like. I just think we all have a story to share. And I think what you're doing truly is such a blessing to hear. So thank thank you. you for doing it. And thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yes, of course. Well, thank you so much.